The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in the cinematic multiverse. My name is Danny Vincent, and with me always is Tyler Borland. That's right, I'm Tyler Borland, and this week we discuss the 2002 Marvel movie that did not change blockbuster cinema as we know it. Yes, that's right, it's the exact movie you were thinking of. Men in Black 2, uh, this year is its 20th anniversary, and we are looking back. Are we, Danny? Are we yeah. not? <laughs> it's, uh, we were looking at it. <laughs> we're certainly looking at the movie. I, I like to think that, I like to think that I'm looking back on it as I'm driving away from it. Like, in the rearview mirror, like, getting we're away like, from it. Uh, Quick, quick glance up into the rearview mirror and then trying to ignore it for the rest of my life. <laughs> quick uh, glance. Ah, and then keep driving. <laughs> A little rubbernecking. Nope. All right. Good. All right. We're just going to go straight into it. Yeah. Um, so, Tyler, before I get into my thing, because I hadn't seen this movie before, but I have a story about it. But do you have any past experience of Men in Black 2? Uh, Yeah. I saw it, I think, at my grandma's on VHS when it first came out. And I wow, was. Wow, you like, watched a pirated copy in summer 2002? Wow, your grandma was a rebel. Not in summer 2002. <laughs> so, I did not see I did not see this in theaters. Um so so yeah, saw it when it came out on VHS and uh yeah, I I just remember I was like, okay. It's a Men in Black movie. Didn't really, didn't really think any more of it. And I think that's actually the last Men in Black movie that I saw. So, well, this was the last Men in Black movie I saw because it's the last one I hadn't seen. I've seen even International. This is the last one Men in Black movie I'll ever see until they make another one. Think about that. I, I, I like how Danny only made it 15 minutes in, and he was like, "I hate this movie." That's well, I, I know exactly the moment the movie lost me, which is uh, after the Columbia logo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, no. So I haven't. I did not see this movie in theaters. I, today was the first time I've watched it. However, I do have a story about this because this movie came out on July 3rd, 2002. And my birthday is July 3rd. This movie came out when I turned seven. Praise Happy seventh birthday. Well, as I always did on my birthday, because I've always liked movies, is we went to the movie theaters to go to the movies. This is my story. Uh, and we'll move on to this segment I have afterwards, after I tell the story. And that I was a seven-year-old boy. was six, you know, week before seeing, before this movie came out. So As, as it were. <laughs> I'd already seen Lelo and Stitch, and I wasn't really a basketball kid. You could probably guess that. I've never really been into sports. Uh, so I really wanted to see the Scooby-Doo movie. I was so excited for the Scooby-Doo movie and I hadn't seen it yet and been out for like three weeks. Uh, and my dad did not let us go see it on my birthday. And it's not like, 
So my dad had some weird takes on some kids movies when I was a kid. Like we didn't see Shrek until like two months after it came out because it was inappropriate. Then our aunts, my aunts in Ohio took me to see it anyway. And we're like, it's great. And then my dad watched it. and I was like, oh yeah, it is good. Um, my favorite thing is that I didn't see Elf in theaters because, and I quote my dad, and I brought this up this past Christmas, is that he didn't let us see it because he thought it was disrespectful to Santa Claus. <laughs> and the reason this is that is such a funny excuse to me is that we saw the Santa Claus 2 and the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause in theaters. And let me tell you, which those is movies all about lo- what it's all about people trying to kill Santa Claus. That's those movies, those are, movies are so about. much more disrespectful to Santa yeah. Claus than Elf is. Elf treats Santa with a, a large amount of like reverence. Yes. But so we didn't, but it's not that you don't want to see Scooby Doo. It was that he was saving up money. Like there was a promotion with cereal that if you got up a, a bunch of cereal boxes, you have free tickets. So he's trying to make it so we have all the free tickets to see Scooby Doo, and we hadn't earned it yet. So he was like, "Danny, mm. we'll go see Scooby Doo in three weeks. We can see any other movie." And you know, I was comfortable back then, and I'm still comfortable. In fact, it'd be weird if I wasn't comfortable now. I saw the Powerpuff Girls movie. The Powerpuff Girls are cool. It was an awesome show. A lot of people that movie bombed mm-hmm. the box office. Because boys didn't want to see admit they like the Powerpuff Girls, right. but I admitted it because the Powerpuff Girls are dope, and the movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it since I was seven, but I remember being so disappointed with it because I don't know if you've seen it. It's an origin story, and the Powerpuff Girls don't need an origin story movie. The origin is the like opening thirty seconds of the show. We right. don't need a full movie of that. Literally tell you everything. You don't need, you need any more details. <laughs> right. I, the movie should have been like the Satan character taking over it. Cause I would have actually, and they like had a team of Mojo Jojo. That would have been a, that, that's what the movie should have been. That would have been a hot take. It would have been cool. Cause Mojo, that's the secret of all these like old cartoons that are like co- comedy superhero shows is that like usually the villain is pretty actually sympathetic. So that's why for the movie, you have to actually have him team up with the villain. Cause then it's like a big mm. deal. Yeah. Anyway, I should have ruined the Powerpuff Girls movie at age seven, eight, six, because the movie had to come out when I turned seven. Right. Uh, but yeah, I saw Powerpuff Girls movie on opening day. No regrets. Uh, but anyway, that leads us to our next segment, which is before our general thoughts. It's just, I think it'd be fun to talk about what other options you could see at the movie theater when this came out on my birthday when I was seven. Uh, the big options were Men in Black 2 which you'll hear our thoughts on soon. Mr. Deeds. I've never seen it. What do you think of Mr. Deeds? Um, I've, I've not seen Mr. Deeds either. I think that's we like, I've not, seen Mis- I've not seen <laughs> Mr. Deeds or little Nicky. There are quite a few, uh, Adam Sandler movies that I've not, not I, seen. I think but. I have seen, I've seen significantly less Adam Sandler movies than I have not seen. If that makes sense. Like, <laughs> Pretty much all of his big movies I have not seen. That's all I mean. Isn't is it Mr. Deeds the one with uh like, where he like gets a mansion? Get- I remember the trailer had him like get a water fountain that gave Mountain Dew. Is it the one where he has the kid with like I don't, I don't know. It's the one where he gets rich very quick. And he's still like, I'm Adam Sandler, how's it going? That was a really bad Adam Sandler impression. If I really tried, I could do a decent Adam Sandler, but I'm not going to. Well, like Mike, what you told me you saw recently. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus now, and uh, it's it's pretty good. I, yeah, Jesse Plemons, big fan. Um, Lilo and Stitch, 
which good time great film five out of five oh, and, I, yeah. and, and coming from me you know i don't usually give out five out of fives leon stitch is a five out of five movie perfect i saw i remember seeing that one in theaters um I, when it came I, out since okay i'm gonna be very honest this is where our listeners and you because i kind of already mentioned i don't think there's much to talk about men in black too which is why again i'm gonna chase these tangents it's have i ever told you my conspiracy theory about the leon stitch movie because i feel like everyone has one conspiracy theory they believe in and mine is about Lilo and Stitch. What is it? So, okay. Now, I know, first I'm going to counteract any arguments, which is going to be, Danny, you were six when you saw this. How can you b- still believe this was true? Like, you're, you must be misremembering. This was when you were, this was 20 years ago, Danny. How are you so convinced? Well, here's my conspiracy theory. Just that I distinctly remember. So, you know, at the end of Lilo and Stitch, uh, Lilo, Stitch is about to be taken by the Grand Councilwoman after, uh, and she's like, ha, ha, I'm not an ensemble. See, my stitch impressions were by my ensemble. Uh, he's <laughs> way better. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they let him stay. And then they're like, in the current cut of the film, they say to Jumba and Cleekly, do not let these guys get on my ship. And then everyone else leaves, but Jumba and Cleekly stay behind. My conspiracy theory is, is that when it was in theaters, Gantu was left behind too. And the reason why I say this is because I distinctly remember Gantu's frame, which is obviously so much huger than any other character in the movie, looking at the spaceship taking off. And yeah. I also remember Gantu being in the Thanksgiving photo in the credits. There is no proof anywhere on the internet this happened. No one else says this, but I believe it to be true. And the reason why they would have edited it is because when it came out on DVD... They were like already in development on the TV show. In the TV show, you know, you have to have the villain. And in the TV show, they're like, oh, we'll just use Gantu for the villain, which makes sense. So the, yeah. in that case, they have to get Gantu off planet because if he's with their Ohana already, you can't have him as a villain in the TV show. This is my conspiracy theory. I stick by it. No one can convince me otherwise. I this mean, is how the movie originally ended. <laughs> I do remember Gant- Gantu is in the, I think he's in the. He's in the TV series. He he's the villain. He's the main villain. Yeah. So he can't be he can't be left on Earth as a hero because he needs to be recruited by the alien, like the big bad alien. Yeah. So anyway, uh, minority I'm not report. A I'm a hamster. Yeah, minority report yeah. was also the movie we've you've talked about already. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's good stuff. I that would be the film out of all of these on this list. That I would probably like if it's like you can see one film out of this list in theaters. I would want to see. Uh, I presume you're talking time travel back because my choice would obviously be the Powerpuff Girls movie if I'm seven. Uh. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. Yes. When I was nine, I wanted to see Minority Report, but instead we went to go see Lilo and Stitch and I was heavily disappointed. Well, The Bourne Identity, which is the next one, is a pretty good movie, too. Um, Never seen any of the Bourne films. What? They're good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Power Girls movie, Scooby Doo, Divine Stewards of the Yaya Sisters. I don't know what that is. Yeah, Scooby Doo's good. Uh, I have no idea what the Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisters is. I used to think it was the Sister of the Traveling Pants, but they're apparently different movies. Uh, I thought I thought one of them was a sequel. No, because there's one that's called just Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2. I think that oh. was a sequel. <laughs> Sorry. Attack of the Clones. Mm, I then, saw that mm. when it came out on VHS. 
Uh, I saw it, yeah. Um, yeah. Hot, ta- hot take. Attack of the Clones used to be my favorite of the Star Wars films. And then I found my way. <laughs> this is the way. So yeah, that's uh that's my that's my hot take. Very interesting, Tyler. The last movie that was an option, which I brought this up because it's the eleventh at the box office, despite it only being out for six days, is the Hey Arnold movie. Which I've never seen. But seems weird to put that in summer, honestly. I, I don't put, think I've seen that either. I don't know why they would release that in summer. Hey Arnold is not really a you know summer property to me. It'd be like Put it out in April. Yeah, time. yeah. Something you something you can get like the spring break. Yeah, around. exactly. Yeah. Although I think there was probably there probably never a kids movie out then, you know. Um, bigger profile. Anyway, <sighs> let's talk about the movie we're supposed to talk about. Cat Dog the movie. The Cat Dog movie was a TV movie. Was it? Oh, shut down. Dang. Shut down. There went my childhood. I've never seen cat dog movie. But. Should watch the Ed and Eddie movie. Good. That we should. I remember that show quite. Ed and Eddie movie is the ending. Should be entitled Ed at an ending. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would have. That's what I would have named it. <laughs> anyway, um, so Tyler, what are your general thoughts on um, Barry Sonnenfeld's modern day classic Men in Black Two? This is a film. It certainly is. That's, I mean, that's, it certainly is. It, uh, it definitely, it fails to learn from its predecessor. And quite honestly, in tragic ways, like for itself as a sequel. Cause you think as a sequel, it would, especially having the same director, you get the same vision to go to. Does not it. have the same writer. That's a very key point. Not the same writer. And Ed Solomon is like really like I'd have to look up his credentials, but he has a lot of um, classic comedies if I remember right on his uh, list. Yeah, gotcha. Bill and Ted. He has Bill and Ted. That's what I was thinking. Ah, uh, uh, he also wrote the original script for uh, Now You See Me, which I've always heard was ruined by the studio. But also the movie the- out from last year I've been wanting to see, which is no sudden move. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Is Now You See Me the one with Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I always. You know what his credit was before Men in Black, though? I don't. It's a classic bomb. And by classic, I mean, it's not not a good movie. It's just like a classic Hollywood bomb that everyone always talked about when it came out. And it's being remade this year with Chris Pratt's titular role. That's right. Mario. Super Mario (laughs) Brothers. Oh, took him, oh no! Took him Ed Solomon four years to get a nervous assignment, which was Men in Black, which probably is the best possible comeback you can have, really. Yeah, but no, he wrote all the Bill and Ted movies, so good for him. Yeah, this 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 movie though, it yeah, it just I don't know, like it it starts off really really rocky, and it try it tries to. It tries to follow in the footsteps of the first one, um, which started off with a bang, <laughs> literally. And then, uh, yeah, and this one just, it just does not, I don't know. It's it's quite boring for an hour and a half 
it feels Thin. so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I will say, though, Danny Elfman returned for the music and it that feels like a continuation and like a developed continuation of what we got before. Uh, there's at least some very variations in there um, of prior, <laughs> prior things. And yeah, I, I would say that the highlight of this film is probably uh, the music. I will, I will say like the, the weird thing I, there was something in the early 2000s, or am I just thinking this? There was like this thing where everyone thought it was funny to have talking animals. I want to get into that. Okay. Yeah. Can I, can I get into my, my stuff? Yeah. yeah. Hold on. All right. So here's the dealio. I think this movie's absolutely terrible. I think it might be the second worst movie we've talked about in this podcast after, of course, The Amazing Spider-Man. 2012. Um, yeah, 2012. Yeah, correct. Yeah, because I've seen the 77 one. So they, you gotta see it. Gotta yeah, see it. Maybe someday. Uh, <laughs> but with <sighs> all the lessons that could have been taken from the first movie are ignored, and it just doubles down on everything that is bad about the first movie that you can ignore. That is the issue with this. Because it's like, oh, you like the dog in the last one? Well, we're going to make him a main character now instead of being a funny side role, like funny second role. They do that with multiple characters in this. I don't think Tony, like Tony Shalhoub is back. And I know you liked him in this. But like all these characters are back who don't need to be back. But even worse is they nuke the ending of the previous one, which I, I admit I said I didn't like. But mm-hmm. me not. Okay. I'm going to talk about something you hate me talking about that's the rise of skywalker and the last jedi but i'm gonna try to talk about it from your perspective is that okay i'll allow it so let's put me in the place of someone who dislikes the last jedi i think the rise of skywalker is a terrible film still i'd i'd hope because it does not try to go and run with the pieces of the it doesn't yes and you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It just goes, no, it actually it was this and it was this. Uh, and we're getting rid of the characters from the last one that no one liked. And that's kind of like what this does with the ending of Men in Black 1. It's like, oh, people want just Tommy Lee Jones and Will back together. At, But at, <sighs> I think it's really weird how his love, like, you know how Tommy Lee Jones leaves it for a girl? And I said, yes, that was terrible, bad writing. But it's the reality situation. You can't just bring him back into the fold and ignore that he like went back to his girlfriend. You know, mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. never mentioned in this movie. Same thing with like yeah the the girl at the end with Will, that Will Smith paired up with at the end of the first one, just written out like with a, oh she wanted to go back to the morgue. What does that even mean? <laughs> now I understand it probably was the actor didn't want to come back, but again it's just something to me where it's like this feels so like. And it reminds me of some uh, thought I read about the Matrix Resurrections, which um, I'm going to get into a little bit, but it won't be too spoilery because it's in the title. So the plot of the Matrix Resurrections is it's part of a mystery. And I'm not going to tell you why, but Neo and Trinity, after dying in the revolutions, come back to life, right? What? Um, yeah, well, it's called the Matrix Resurrections, so they are resurrected, yes. Um, I've only seen the first Matrix. Well, if you've somehow made it this long since 2003, <laughs> not to know that Neo and Trinity are dead. 
I I would have laughed at you seeing uh, the Matrix Resurrection. <laughs> I'm I know, I know. I realized that we talked two. about this before. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to. I guess ended unlike the the writing of Men in Black Two or the Rise of Skywalker. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, what was I talking about? What was I talking about? Yes, and Matrix. Matrix. Okay, so in the Matrix Resurrections, Neo and Trinity are brought back to life. And it's kind of a commentary on the idea of these reboots, uh, not letting trauma characters get a happy ending. Right. Yeah. In the case of the matrix, they don't get a happy ending, right? Like they die, but it's a kind of a commentary on like how the star Wars trilogy, right? Uh, return of the Jedi ends happy, but Oh, we got to have force awakens, which means everyone failed actually. Right. And the matrix resurrections comments on that. I really liked that about it. That, my whole point is that's what the sequel feels like to me. It's kind of like going like, we know the audience didn't like the ending of them separated. So we're going to ignore the good that would have happened in our character's life to come from that, to put them in a miserable situation. So that way them getting back together, despite losing everything they fought for in the previous film feels good. And mm. that's to me why this movie feels empty. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I think that to not include Tommy Lee Jones, uh, girlfriend, wife, whatever she is in this at all. Like, I don't even think she gets written out. Like, they don't ever say, I don't remember them they saying don't, anything about they her. They don't really say anything. And he just kind of, like, hops along for the ride with And he Jay. sticks around at the end, which is yeah. so weird. Yeah. It's just never mentioned. And to me, it's such a disservice to audiences that there are probably people out there who do like the ending of The First Man in Black, you know? And there mm-hmm. are people out there who like are like, oh, cool. Tommy Lee Jones character got a happy ending. And then this one's like, no, he's working at a. Po- well, the thing is, he doesn't seem miserable working at the post office. You know, <laughs> like, he's yeah. just he's just there. And anyway, I'm this is way too much for general thoughts. Sorry. But it's just this is the crux of why I dislike the film is yeah. that I feel like it shits all over the first film, you know, uh, and the ending. And even if I don't like that ending, it's still the ending. I can't say it wasn't right. Right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know this. It's a film. Like I said, uh, yeah, like I, 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 said, I, I it's think it's, it's like, I, I, I sound way more mad about it than I am. Cause this is really just a mediocre movie. It's not like, okay, no, it is. It is a bad movie. I can get it, into that. It, when it, we really, dig it really it's, is. It is a bad movie. <laughs> it is, it, sorry. It's, it's trying to see, but here's the thing I don't understand about it. It's like it's trying to strike gold twice in a row, but it sucks at doing that. I had even it's, trying to do that. It falls. We're, by the way, we're in digging in right now. I'm just going to say we're in digging in right okay, now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're, I'm going to continue where we are. Um, it tries to do what a lot of comedy sequels do and repeat the original plot of a twist. And the thing is, I think they have something here with that, potentially. Mm. With the idea of Will being the one training time with the Jones. I think that could be fun. And I actually, if I remember right, I think Men in Black 3 does the same thing, but a lot better. Because gotcha. it actually is executed well. Because the thing is, in this one, is it like it's set up to be like that. But then Tommy Lee Jones is immediately going along with it and competent. Uh, and he doesn't really have... Neither of them have character arcs. <laughs> Neither of them have any. Yeah. Sorry, sorry yeah. the first one they do, and this one, no, there's no change of character in this movie. Uh, and that's also the thing to me. I was going to say this feels like a TV episode to me. 
Yeah. Feels like, oh, it's another week at the Men in Black. And the yeah. fact is, it reminds me of my thought on Frozen 2. I came up with like bringing up like random movies. Be like, this reminds me of this bad movie. And that Frozen 2 took how long? Six years to make. And what they came up with is garbage. So and it's just like, I would forgive this if it came out like two years after the first movie. Or in the case of Frozen, three years after because it's an anime movie. And I know that takes longer to make. I would forgive this. But you had so long to make this movie and write mm-hmm. it to make it good. Why is yeah. it so bland? And, and you got a majority of their original cast to return except to, for you know, the girl except for the girl except you know? i mean yeah. except for the girl yeah. she had to go back to the morgue <laughs> it was calling I, her the morgue <laughs> I, did, I did think i did think that like the stuff with rip torn there, there was a few things with rip torn in this film i was like like so i was like okay all right that's i that, i that's like Rip-Torn, it but with the exception of the weird matrix parody in it yeah. yeah, that that is just like why? Like this isn't funny. That's the thing to me too. Is like, well, most of the comedy in this, besides Will Smith's like quips, are just mm-hmm. so try hard. Like, I think specifically sticking on my thing is when they kick the alien that has balls on its chin. It's like, yeah. who's this, who's this gonna make laugh? Like, it's not funny. It's just gross. Like, <laughs> children in the audience are gonna be like, "What's that, mommy?" <laughs> like, you know, like. <laughs> it's yeah well it's a weird joke and it's not funny it's just gross uh and that's how i feel like with most of the humor in this is just like it feels like weirdly mean-spirited too like i get tom patrick warburton's character is meant to be like comedically incompetent but like first he basically attacks who seems to be an innocent alien and then we cut to him after that scene crying that he's gonna get his memory erased and it's like this is just like to me, it wasn't even funny. It was just like this is just it. It was it wasn't funny, and I really like I really wanted it to be funny because it was Patrick Warburton, and I'm like I know this guy can have me rolling, but the material that he had, it, it just he was trying to make it work, but there was literally nothing there for him to work with. And you know this could uh this will make us move into my next topic I want to bring up, which is uh you know how that to- that Patrick Warburton scene ends. Right, with uh, he gets neuralized, yeah, and then Will Smith immediately goes up to a woman in the place, goes like, "Hey, that guy has a crush on you, right?" And that irritated <laughs> me so much because I'm like, I'm like, really, like, this is what you're doing with this with this power is you are you're influencing people's lives. Well, you're, he does that in the first one too, though. You know, playing, like, well, he does, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, you're you're sculpting with their the, like their yeah. interactions and I'm just like this is this is perverse this I is- like I do like I will say I do like the joke with the neuralizer at the end of the opening sequence where he's like you all are stupid for not listening to me ah! yeah. <laughs> and then he like that's a good joke and then he re- I, I do that. like that one and I think I think like Will Smith gets better Will Smith and Tommy his- Jones in my opinion are the only possible choice for MPT here and I think Will Smith is a mm. good argument here because He's just doing what he can with the script. I, it feels like yeah. he improv in this one way more than he did in the first one. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of I noticed like Will the Will Smith scream that yeah. I think it should be it should be you know we've got the Wilhelm scream. I think there should also be the Will Smith 
uh, where he's just doing something and he just randomly goes, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the Will Smith scream. So, um, but I brought up that moment with uh, the waitress to talk about once again. Uh, I talked about in the first one how women were not given good roles, and let me tell you, Barry Sonnenfeld topped himself of this one. They are worse in this film. <laughs> um, the main villain of it such a downgrade from Edgar uh, a ridiculous oh downgrade yeah. from Edgar yeah. um, I can't remember who the villain in the third one is um, but the third one if I remember right the villain isn't the best part so it's okay um, granted the villain isn't the best part here either but is a it, good villain would have like helped this is Thanos oh, Thanos isn't Josh, the bad guy we get Josh Thanos in yeah, Men in Black 3 yeah, yeah. Um, very good Josh Brolin role um, but we'll talk about that next time um but the the villain immediately is introduced to us to be a sex object, as in literally she transforms into a Victoria's Secret model. And yep. as soon as she's done transforming, like there is still CGI on her transforming, a random guy tries to assault her. Like he just what? Jumps out of a bush, and then he says, "You look yummy or tastier." And then he like and it's looks so her weird. Face. She it literally so like, weird. where was he standing? How did he miss this transformation? And it's it, like, it it honestly felt like it felt like, uh, you know how like when a set like theater when a set is coming together, and then the like the actors and the director finally mm. get to like interact in, with pieces of the set it felt like they like that was finally coming together and they were like oh we have this bush and then we have this backdrop and that's that's it that's all we have but now we can start putting ourselves into the scene and then the director's like okay improvise on what you think you would do and and then the actors just like randomly chose he's like oh well here's a bush i'll jump out of this bush but it's it's stuff that's like it's it's stuff that's like it seems very amateur like uh, very amateur feels to me like i don't know how to put this about like it feels more than like to me even a michael bay objectification to me this sequence feels like it could be in a porn film like honestly that's that's where I'm at like this feels weird and then like she comes back like looking incredibly fat and like it's it's weird it it legitimately grosses me out that this was made and this was marked like this is the opening to a men in black sequel like right like it feels perverse it's (laughs) it's objectification from the from the very beginning because we get the guy jumping out and he licks her and then after she eats. So we had the Victoria's Secret page, you know, of this uh of this slim model. And then that's what the guy the guy tells the audience, like, oh yeah, you look tasty. You know, he he immediately is like, like, yeah, I want you, and then takes off with her. Well then of course she's an alien, eats him, but then she sips back out and she has um she has a bigger stomach because Apparently she ate this guy, ate this guy whole. So then she has that, but they, but then she immediately looks at her stomach and then walks away again and comes back out and she's slim again. So it's, 
it's objectifying it's as this is so the, gross. like like anything overweight it, what it's saying is that anything overweight is is gross is bad it, you know it it's, it's yeah it's just it's body shaming it is objectification it's from the very beginning I mean, yeah it's just such it's so disgusting like what like and that's kind of like what i was saying like i knew from the beginning this movie was gonna be bad and like any movie that opens with that is like how is this gonna be a good movie right like right um i also want to say to a much lesser extent but she's still bad is rosaria dawson's character who might i tell you i'll be honest i got spoiled on the air quotes twist about her because i looked at the wikipedia page looked at the cast and it's yeah. listed next to her like it's like her character name, actually an alien princess. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, but like, the thing is with her is like, she does nothing in this movie. She really doesn't do anything. She literally does nothing. Yeah. And she is Rosaria Dawson. And we know she like, is awesome. Like, and yeah, I think it she- was known at this time too. I think she was already acting and stuff where she got really good, memorable roles. And it, this is before, uh, can't remember i don't know but i think rosario dawson has always been pretty respected because this can't be her first role you know i'm sure she had a tv show or something now we gotta look at rosario dawson's yeah that's what i'm doing right now oh she was in rent no yeah she's in rent i watched Rent. oh she was in josie and the pussycats and he got game he got game highly recommend to you tyler that's another spike lee movie um really good um Denzel Washington is the lead. Denzel's Denzel's warden is like, I'll commute your sentence if you commit convince your son, who's like a top prospect for college basketball, to play mm-hmm. for my alma mater. So he gets a week out of jail on parole just so he can try to convince his son to go play for his warden's alma mater. But it's like a good drama. I think you'd like it. Very good basketball movie. Okay. Anyway, Rosario Dawson's in it. Uh, and she's also in Josie and the Pussy. I guess this would be her first really big mainstream role. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking. Yeah, I would say this would be her ver- her first big role. But she I mean, she was show. in The Adventures of Pluto Nash after <laughs> that, that, that Eddie Murphy uh, film. Yeah, I guess I was thinking, yeah, because Sin City and Death Proof are after this. That's what I was thinking were her big roles. But anyway, um, still, we know she's talented. She deserved a better role than this. Uh, and it's just really kind of whatever, you know? It's just frustrating. And then especially when it's like, all right. If you end the previous movie telling us that Will Smith's new partner is going to be a woman... And then we have this movie, which features no female men in black agents at all. What, what's going on here? And of course, yeah. we, as we said, both these big women from the last movie, granted, we never actually met Tommy Lee Jones' girlfriend. But neither of them have a role in this film at all. It's just like, what the heck? Like, really? Like, what? <laughs> like, anyway, Barry Sonnenfeld. Not calling you sexist, but this movie is sexist. Yeah, and that's the thing is like that's what I was what I was talking about earlier is it doesn't learn it doesn't learn from the mistakes of its predecessor. It triple so, doubles and triples down. Yeah, 
on it's, on its faults. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do we want to talk about the the uh, obsession with animals, talking animals? Yeah, but I want to talk very briefly before they to lead into it and point out this came out the same year as we mentioned it kind of briefly in our intro. Uh, Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie, and you know people always talk about how some of the CGI in the first Spider-Man movie is rough. I gotta say that this movie looks so much older than Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. The the, the effects are so... I think the first film looks better than this. Because the first film isn't as yeah. reliant on CGI. Exactly, yeah. Um, CGI in this is consistently just terrible looking. Um, you know, they're both Sony movies. So, and I... Th- I'm curious, this one might have had a bigger budget. Because, you know, Spider-Man wasn't a known quality yet. Um, now I want to look that up. Although I guess I wouldn't really... I know Men in Black 3 has a ridiculously huge budget for what it is. Uh, but, yeah, anyway. Uh, it just looks terrible. It does. Now, do you want to start it talking is. about the... Uh, the talking... What you re- the, yeah, the animals, it's, yeah, it's just like... I don't I don't understand what it what it was like why people were like oh this is this is funny. I I guess like 1998 had Dr. Doolittle uh with Eddie Murphy um all the talking animals. Um and then like we get into the 2000s and I know that we have uh well the first men in black had the talking pug. Uh they had Frank in it. Um but it's one scene. But it's one scene. Yeah, it's not overplayed. Like in this one, he's singing, and which I will, I will say, like, I will take, I will take the singing pug scenes, um, over the like what we talked about earlier with uh, the villain. I, I would actually honestly take the singing pug over. Uh, just give me. Will Smith and the singing pug driving around and trying to figure out how to I don't like the how pug to run either. run their beat. Like I'm not saying I like the pug, but it's better than better than with the villains that we got. This costs the same amount of money as Spider Man. The exact same budget according to Wikipedia. Wow. How? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is terrible. <laughs> how? Just how? Is, is Will had, Smith that expensive? Are these two actors this expensive? We also had, speaking of talking animals, we had Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Uh, we had Cats and Dogs. Um, well, Beverly Hills Chihuahua was 2009, way after this. That is way Cats after. Cats and Dogs yeah. is around here. Cats yeah, and Dogs Cats and Dogs. Uh, kangaroo uh, Jack. Racing, racing stripes, kangaroo <laughs> Jack, <laughs> cinematic masterpiece, <laughs> cinematic masterpiece, racing stripes. Uh, um, yeah, I think I hate I hate Frank in this. I'm gonna be honest. I hate Frank. I hate the worms. I hate every oh, single hate CGI worms. part of this. Yeah, it's just like who who cares? But you know what? I also think I think this movie has a serious. I'm changing the subject. Sorry, because I used to agree. No, I have nothing to add. These are terrible. You're good. You're good. Uh, I, I, this movie I has go with it. a terrible job setting up stakes because I have no idea. To me, I don't think it ever fully explains what this light is until like the very end. So I'm just kind of like, okay, so this murdering alien has been searching for something 
that I thought she said would save her home planet, right? For years. Yeah. And she's been on a wild yeah. goose chase and now she's back and it's her last chance to use it. Why wouldn't like, why aren't the men in black trying to help her other than her being a murderer? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it just feels crazy. Like, and then it, I don't think it ever fully explains it either. So it's kind of like, okay, whatever. Oh. Like as an issue of stakes. Also, we didn't mention him yet, but bad CGI needs to be mentioned with Johnny Knoxville being in this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who initially I was like, oh cool, Johnny Knoxville's there. And then as soon as his other head popped out, I was like, oh no. Oh no. I think I think he is a carryover from the cartoon. I think there's a character that ha- that has that from the cartoon. Well, um, I think that they should have left it in the cartoon and found the cartoon. Yeah. Like left found something better. Like I don't want to be like something better for Johnny Knoxville cuz like Johnny Knoxville is like, you know, a huge uh He's, he's funny. He can be funny. Uh, this came out before Jackass, which I think is interesting, too. Mm. Uh, the movie. The, the show was already on the air. Um, yeah. But I just think it's interesting to think of Johnny Knoxville like, in the middle of Jackass coming to shoot a Men in Black movie and having a terrible role in it. <laughs> I, honestly, maybe it was why he did the Jackass movie. He's like, I just felt like I felt like I put myself at risk so much in the production of Men in Black 2. I'm to just <laughs> throw myself off. Might as well just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh do we want to talk about the top ten uh at the box office in two thousand two? We do, but I think we can end on that. I wanna bring up one more thing at least, and then maybe if you can come up with something else we can. But there is a certain character we haven't mentioned yet. Character who I thought initially was gonna be like a small, annoying cameo, but weirdly comes back in the third act. And that's the character of Agent M, aka oh Michael yeah. Jackson is in this movie for some yeah, reason. For some and, reason, and I have no idea why. Well, he becomes a plot point, which is weird. I didn't mind him being a, <laughs> like a dumb camera. It's like, oh, ha ha, Michael Jackson's an alien. Yeah, but then he comes back for Rip Torn to be like, no, Michael, I'm not reinstating you into the Men in Black. And then there's a weird affirmative action joke. Just like what? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. But why is Michael Jackson in this? I, I, why I isn't it just like no he pops idea. up and's like? Why isn't it just like again? It's to me, it's not the issue of him showing up. The issue is that he shows up twice. <laughs> if he showed up <laughs> once, I would be like, oh, okay, whatever. Comedies have dumb cameos, but he's in this twice. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have no idea. I'm stumped there. The Biz Market cameo is okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember uh that one. Mm-hmm. And trying to do that as a kid and failing. So now mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it here. No, I'm joking. I'm not going to beatbox. I should do my stitch impression again. Oh, I remembered <laughs> one last thing I wanted to say, which to me was really weird to me, honestly. And that I feel okay. So we talked about this with um Shang Chi, actually. Which is that nowadays movies will generally like if they have a prologue will put up the date and they'll put present day at the bottom and I think that it's not just MCU I think most movies do that I think pretty much every yeah. movie I've seen have done that honestly or they'll be like twenty like but 
for example, like if they didn't want to say present day, they would be like this many years later, you know, mm-hmm. this movie opens with literally July 2002 on. I just thought that was weird. This is the only thing I want to mention. Uh, there are a few. I think there are a few um, movies that do that. Sorry, I'm mm. trying to figure out my life here. Oh, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld made a mistake. I'm looking at the production thing. Barry Apparently, Sonnenfeld made a lot of mistakes, and we've been talking about well, them. <laughs> well, no, no, it says right here, Sonnenfeld took issues with the producer's focus on the love story between Will Smith and Rosario Dawson's character. And then there's a quote from him. And so he had the last writer condense the first part of the film to bring Agent K in earlier. But... Again, there's no stakes in this movie, so probably cutting out all the story about your MacGuffin slash love interest might be a reason why this movie doesn't work. One one of many Maybe. reasons. <laughs> Maybe. One of many reasons. All right. So I put together a little game for Tyler. And that is that um, last week, last time, you guys might remember... Sorry, Tyler, I'm going to put you on blast for a second, but not really, because I think I still think this was funny. I wasn't offended by this. Uh, Tyler oh, thought Men in Black was Titanic. the most... Yeah, yeah. Tyler <laughs> thought yeah. that Men in Black was the biggest film in 1997, because box office mojo is stupid. So I thought it'd be interesting to look at the box office of 2002. But what I did was I took the top 10, 2002, randomized it, and I want Tyler to guess what place Men in Black came in. All right. So... The top 10 were in no particular order. Oh, you made a full guess. All right. Yeah. Cool. But Men in Black 2, uh, My Big Factory Quetting, Signs, Star Wars Episode 1, uh, 2, sorry, Star Wars Episode <laughs> 2, Attack of the Clones, uh, Chicago, Lord of the Rings of Two Towers, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Austin Powers in Goldmember, Spider-Man, Ice Age. Now, first, before we go for your whole thing, I want you to guess what Men in Black was. And I'll tell you if you're right on Men in Black. I think Men in Black was in the number nine spot of the top ten. You are close. It was number eight. Ooh. All right. Ooh. So I okay. will top. I will. Well, read the. Tyler has made a full guess here. All right. So I think for 2002, top ten at the box office, um, starting at number ten, I think was my big fat Greek wedding. I think number nine was Men in Black two. Number eight was Chicago. Seven, Austin Powers in Goldmember. Six, Ice Age. Uh, five, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Four, Signs. Three, Spider Man. Two, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. And at the number one spot is The Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. So those are my guests. My guesses for top ten at the box office. All right, we will see if you get any right. I'm going to go through these as a countdown, and as I do it, read it out loud, I will type, well, I will also say what it grossed, all right? Okay, okay. Domestic. These are all domestic, by the way, not international. You're aware of that, right? Not worldwide. These were all oh. just the U.S. Just US okay. Numbers. Well, Men in Black got top domestic. It, oh, wait, no, because of the weird... Titanic. Year Titanic. thing. It's, <laughs> it's the weird year thing. All right. Box office so, mojo. Yeah. At number 10 is... Chicago, oh. which made $171 million domestic. At number nine is Ice Age. Ooh. Which I'm made... I'm a little biased. $176 million. 
Now, as we already said, Men in Black came in at eight. It made $190 million. All right, number seven. You got this one right. Congratulations. Austin Powers was Booyah. in seventh place. It made $213 million. Oh, my gosh. That is so much money for the third Austin Powers movie. Yeah. Wow. Number six was Signs. Signs made $228 million. At number five, this is the most impressive, honestly, one of the most, most impressive box office around history, in my opinion, was my big fat Greek wedding, which made $241 million. No way. I had it at number 10. So my wow. big fat, I want to talk a bit about, not not about the movie, but about the box office yeah. for my big fat Greek wedding. My big fat Greek wedding held the record for about 14 years as the film that made the most money without ever grossing at number one at the box office. Huh. The highest it ever placed on the weekend box office, I bl- well, I'm going to check very quickly, was number two. Did not reach number two at the box office until its 20th re- week in release. 110 million. Wow. Not 110 million, I know, not a weekend. $11 million. It had, it placed in the top 10 until, oh my gosh, let's see how long. Top 10 until, uh, looks like its 32nd week in release. It was always in the top 10 until its 32nd week in release. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, okay, the first few weeks it was not in the top 10. I, I don't know when it first hit the top 10. I'll check that very quick. It had a crazy box on this one. Yeah, it opened. Its opening weekend it was made twenty seven dollars in one theater. Okay, yeah, opening weekend it did not make twenty seven dollars. I'm sorry. So, opening weekend it placed twentieth with about six hundred thousand dollars. Hmm. It first hit the top ten on May seventeenth of two thousand two, and fluctuated around 10, 11, and twelve for a while, and then it didn't fall out. From September, from August 2nd to November, till Thanksgiving weekend, it was always in the top 10. With the exception. No, yeah. yeah. Crazy run. Crazy yeah, it is. Run. Um, all right, so what is... All right, we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just think that's such a fascinating piece of box office history. Yeah. Because it makes no sense. There are no stars in that movie. It was solely on, like, the word of mouth. Anyway. Mm. So that was number five. It was my big factory wedding. Number four. Did you get number four right? Nope. Womp. It was Harry Potter. Oh, it was one, one spot off. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets made $262 million. All right. Number three. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> that was my number two. And my number two million dollars. All right. We're going to see now if you got. We're going to see if you got more than one right right now. Okay. Number two at the box office was Lord of the Rings of Two Towers. No, no, that busts my bracket. $338 million, which means, of course, the number one at the box office this year was Spider-Man, which made $404 million. Which is, it was, honestly, honestly, do, I'm sure we talked about that when we covered Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah. yeah. 
Because it was so huge. It was the biggest song of the year. Very easily. Like by $70 million. So. I mean, Very more than thing. doubled, more than doubled what Men in Black 2 made. Deserved it. So, I mean, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Do we have anything else to say about Men in Black 2 or should we um, and wrap this up? You're better off reading the Wikipedia page or just never watching it. So. I never watch it. I would just yeah. honestly skip the Men in Black 3, which we'll talk about next week. So if, yeah. If I were, maybe, maybe I won't like it this time, but I remember liking it in 2012. Anyway, we're going to do our awards. Awards. I'm giving this to Tony Shalhoub um, just because I was entertained by his his bit that he had in this one. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I like it. It's whatever. Um, Although I do think I do think uh, Tommy Lee Jones had a strong outing again. much like uh, he did in the first one. Um, And I thought Will Smith was stronger in this one, but um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to give it to Tony, Tony Shalhoub. What about you? I'm giving it to Tommy Lee Jones this time. And the thing is, it is actually really close between him and Will to me. The reason I'm leaving Will open is two reasons is I, if I'm right, there's a lot of good options for three, but I remember being, I think men in black three, and we'll talk about this next week. Might be one of my favorite Will Smith performances, period. Mm. And it will make sense when you see it because you've never seen it. But yeah, it has a lot of depth to it in a sense that's very surprising, especially because of what these previous two movies are. Um, yeah. But I think Tommy Lee Jones, when he's remembering the story, gives but, but some really good acting. And I like his scenes in the post office, too. I don't know. It's something where it's also like Tommy Lee Jones. It's I think it's, I've always thought it's very easy to underrate Tommy Lee Jones when he's doing something because he does one thing very well. Um, like it's very hard for Tom Tommy Lee Jones to play against type, in my opinion. But yeah. that's okay. He's a character actor that's really who's he's good. He's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely in his element in this yeah. in this one. Uh, favorite scene. Favorite scene. Um, mine would be, and it's kind of funny me saying this after I just read the thing about Barry Sonnenfeld not liking this part, is the scene between Rosario Dawson and Will Smith at the diner where he decides not to neuralize her. I think that hints at the romance this probably should be. Yeah. Where Rosario Dawson actually like matters and the ending beat where Will Smith has to let go of her makes sense. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that's not what the movie is, but I do think the scene of itself is a nice quiet moment in a movie that is way too loud for its own good. Yeah. I, I would have honestly, I would have been fine with like, we branch from this scene. We don't have K in this one at all. And we get like, it's, it's Will Smith. He chose to not um, neuralize Rosario Dawson's character. And it's those two running around trying to figure out, what I what they're after, you know, I would agree because to me that I think, as I said before, I don't really like the ending of Men in Black, too. Partially because I don't think Will Smith has much chemistry with that woman. I think Rosario Dawson and Will Smith immediately have chemistry because I think, well, yeah. one, I think not though, not saying anything about her too much because I haven't seen her of her roles, but I just think Rosario Dawson is an actress 
who can get chemistry with pretty much any good charismatic actor because she has so much charisma herself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean um, she she does it in the in the Marvel Netflix TV shows. Yeah, yeah, she's she in three or she's four of them. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I was thinking also like how she shows up on Mandalorian uh, season two uh, as a character that no one really knows unless you watch the cartoons. Which granted, mm. those cartoons are pretty popular. I shouldn't say no one, but <laughs> but she shows up and immediately has chemistry of Mando, you know? Right. Yeah. And and the baby, but like, who really cares? About that? I hate to be like, everyone had chemistry with that baby. No one's no one's gonna be like Baby Yoda. Like, I can't act Baby Yoda. That's impossible. <laughs> I, I cannot see that. Um, the only person who doesn't have chemistry with Baby Yoda is CGI Luke Skywalker. But anyway, <laughs> the CGI um, Luke Skywalker doesn't have <laughs> doesn't have uh, very much. Everyone was yeah. like, "Get him back to Mando, you mean?" <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, that's the scene I pick. I wish this was a romance between Ro- Rosario Dawson and Will Smith. Yeah, uh, that was kind of like the first movie, just redone as romance. That would at least give it a reason to exist. Yeah, I I think I would have liked liked that a lot more. Um, my favorite scene is a stupid one, but it's the alien civilization in Kay's locker, uh, where they they start singing. Okay, can you see? I I did, it's it is just straight up. It's stupid, and I but I I think it's hilarious, and uh, and then I think it's funny that Will Smith ends up taking them along, and he's like. Okay, now you're gonna stay in my locker. Um, yeah, I like which, uh, yeah, which kind of branches off into like a multiverse thing. Oh, at the I ending. That. I was gonna say ending. I hate that moment. Which um, I I don't like that, but I it feels I, like it's trying to one up the goofy ending of the first one where the universe is just yeah. like a golf ball. And yeah, yeah, it doesn't work because the characters are actually acknowledging it. Right. Um, yeah, I I just. I just like the, uh, yeah, the little, like, they're not teddy bears, but yeah. It, to pop off that just for a moment, there is another very quick joke I like, and that's when um, Kay is first walking into back in the Men in Black, and he, like, uh, pokes what looks like a hologram, but he actually is causing, like, the apocalypse on a planet. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. the joke. <laughs> it's a solid yeah. joke. Um. <laughs> All right, what is the worst scene? Uh, this is easily for me. It's Serana's takeover of Men in Black headquarters. Um, the fake heart attack from Johnny Knoxville's character is atrocious, and it highlights the poor CGI. Also, there's more objectification of women all over this scene. Uh, it's it just it it's a clear showing of how this film doesn't learn from its predecessor, which knew how to sparingly use CGI. Um, and it also doesn't learn from its predecessor's faults, which is uh, actually giving uh, women roles in in this film. Uh, but yeah, this scene highlights all of that. And I, uh, I don't know why it, it wasn't on the cutting board. Well, I mean, if it wasn't seen from the very beginning, it's obvious there, there were some issues from the the higher ups on this one. But anyways, I was going to say, um, I think it's really hard to pick one scene. I could agree. (laughs) I'm going to pick one that we actually didn't talk about at all. 
which is the opening set piece. I'm not talking about the opening scene with her in the park. I'm talking about the worms fight, which. Oh, yeah. Absolutely terrible CGI that's immediately dated. Um, but not only that, because the CGI is so weightless, there's no real stakes to it. And the fact that it opens with Patrick Warburton's character just being an annoying idiot, it's mm-hmm. just like, it's so frustrating to see. Because it's really just Will Smith vamping, and he's doing the best he can. But you, I kind of watch guy just and like, Will Smith is being very let down by this movie. Because I can tell right now he's trying to make this work, but they're, the script is giving him nothing. And the direction is giving him nothing. The visual effects are giving him nothing. Yeah. It's just Will Smith trying to hold together a blockbuster. And that's really what the whole movie is. It's Will Smith desperately trying to make this, like, be good. And I just yeah. feel sympathy for him, which is really hard for me to feel sympathetic for Will Smith. Because I find him annoying, usually. In this <laughs> case, I'm right. just like, why? I'm just like, <sighs> poor Will. And that's what I felt with that opening worm sequence. Mm. All right. R.I.P. Never, never going to talk about this movie again in my life. Never again. Even if I had kids who see the first one and are like, can we watch the second one? I'll be like, There's oh, yeah. It, it was, there, no, 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 no. I'm like, there was a really clever joke. You know You know how the first one was like a comedy? And they're like, yeah, dad, what are you talking about? Of course it was. What do you? Well, well you see, they thought it'd be really funny to name the sequel Men in Black 3. And just not acknowledge that a second one ever happened. And they'll be like, oh, okay. So the third one's been in Black International. I'll be like, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, I think that wraps, I think that wraps it up for us here. Yep. All right. We want to thank Joe Schremer for editing this episode. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. We will see you guys back here next week as we wrap up our Men in Black anniversaries with the 10th anniversary of Men in Black 3. Bum, see bum, bum. you then. Or you'll yeah. hear us then. As we'll I catch, you, catch you then in the next one, which is where you'll be and will be. We'll collectively gather there together. Men in Black 3 will be the next one. Yeah. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankmints for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.